0: Hey, everybody. This is Nate Smoyer, and you're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. This is the show where we sit down with the leaders in real estate and technology to find out what they're doing to transform the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. If you've got an interest in real estate and technology, stick around. You're in the right place. Okay. We've got a great show for you today. I'm actually really pumped up about this uh, we have Robert Salvador, CEO of Digibuild. I'm pumped up because we had a a really really good discussion about construction tech and blockchain. Uh, two things I admit I am not that well versed on discussing, and uh, I was nervous about leading a discussion about this. But Robert is a pro, and he takes us down the path of what Digibuild is helping businesses with. He's working with some of the largest construction companies in America, helping to increase the efficiencies of their businesses when you know taking on big projects and Robert goes into the details of all of the back and forths that happen just to get a project moving just to get uh, materials orders to get contractors paid and all those things take their toll and you know you've heard the phrase time is money and in construction there's no further truth than that Uh, also there's two themes that you'll find all the way throughout this interview is the importance of trust and truth. And that links directly to how Robert is leveraging blockchain. I know there's a lot of doubters out there about blockchain. And, you know, I think there's probably been a few on the show here. And we talk about blockchain of what is it and how is it actually going to impact business. And, you know, really on the front end, the end consumer, the end user will probably know nothing about the blockchain if it's done correctly. And I think from my limited understanding, Robert's going down the right path on how he's leveraging blockchain to make business more efficient and effective. So anyway, uh, I think you're going to enjoy this one. If you know nothing about construction tech, you don't care about blockchain, I encourage you to listen in because there's a lot of really good content nuggets, I like to say. That's how I like to describe them, all baked into this uh, little episode here. Enjoy. Hey, Robert, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Nate, thanks for having me. Happy to be here.
0: Uh, I'm glad you are. So, okay, guys, uh, everyone listen. This is kind of a first. Uh, Robert was showing me the view out of his window. I was like, wait a minute, what city are you based in? He says, I'm in Chicago, River North. And And he turns his laptop to the window and sure enough, He's up in some penthouse suite looking down on our little brick building.
1: (laughs) You know, the view looks good, but I wouldn't call it the penthouse, you know, but uh, I can see you, so that's a good thing. Yeah, it's uh, just kind of funny. There's a bigger penthouse one day.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. To to date the episode a little bit, but, you know, it'll be relevant for a long time. Uh, Everyone in Chicago is on coronavirus lockdown, Uh, so I am alone in the office here late, and uh, we're going to do this recording because, you know, business is going to keep on moving. So, Let's, uh, let's get it started here correctly. Robert, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, let everyone know who you are and what you do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Rob Salvador, Robert Salvador. I'm the CEO of a company called DigiBuild. Um, we are a construction management and business intelligence software. Um, we're utilizing a new technology called blockchain. Um, you know, we're a tool for the construction industry and we play into real estate as well. Um, and you know, there's a lot of talk and hype around, you know, new technologies and prop tech and con tech. Um, so we're using one of those new technologies called blockchain. Um, so yeah, that's what DigiBuild is and you know, we're happy to be here.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show here because I think this is the first episode we're doing with someone who's representing the con tech section of prop tech, which is all part of this real estate tech, (laughs) you know, uh, uh, what do they call it? Economy here. But uh, so let's, let's start with the big thing first and we'll work our way down. What is the big problem you're trying to solve?
1: In construction, where do I start? Um, You know, so in general, construction is a very large industry, a $10 trillion a year industry. Um, You know, you see construction left and right nowadays. Um, Just a lot of pain points because construction for a long time, while it's a large industry, has been very behind the curve on technology. Um, And you could even put real estate, you know, you could generalize real estate into that as well. Um, I think real estate is probably a little bit ahead of construction. You know, you've heard more about prop tech, you know, for a lot longer than you've heard contact. Um, But, you know, basically, there's a lot of big issues out there that people are trying to get through, Um, you know, slow payments, uh, bad margins, um, Mm -hmm. you know, disputes are very, very common. So, you know, when you can bring a technology to the forefront that starts to eliminate some of those. You know, obviously, everyone's looking to widen their margins, save money, you know, do things that are good for their company. Um, So construction and, you know, contact, real estate, real estate development, you're really seeing a lot of movement in that space right now, especially because, like I said, the industry has been so far behind the curve. Now the industry is trying to go at hyperspeed to introduce all these new technologies. So um, that's what we're doing is trying to solve problems for the construction industry, Mm -hmm. utilizing a software as a service or SaaS product.
0: Now you're based here in Chicago and, uh, you have, you have a small team over in San Francisco as well, right?
1: Yeah. So we're actually uh, remote. So we have a couple team members here in Chicago. We have a couple in San Francisco and then, uh, actually our EVP who I, you know, quote unquote, the second tier, you know, second in charge. Um, she's up in Seattle. Her name's April Moss. So she's up in the Seattle area. Um, oh, very which, cool. you know, is was dealing with Corona right now as well, but, yeah, so we're distributed like uh, a lot of these companies will be in the future. It looks like as uh, you know, more remote work becomes common.
0: I was set to go to Seattle in four days from now, uh, and I made the decision today to that we were going to cancel that trip, um, just as a, an additional probably precaution. a good decision. Yeah, I was supposed yeah, to go. I was uh, supposed we, to be we there for like five or six days.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, sorry. Hopefully, your airline and your accommodations were uh, you know kind in their cancellation <laughs> policies. But yeah, we we had the same thing. We were supposed to go to Vegas for, um, the, uh, construction for a construction expo out there. And we ended up canceling, uh, we were supposed to have a summit in New York. We ended up canceling that as well. So wow, we're right wow. there with you.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a bummer. Um, but obviously, you know, the world is moving forward. We're tech companies and under normal circumstances, this would probably stop business, but this is actually one of the reasons why rethinking how we do business is important under normal circumstances. You know, uh, paperwork may stop passing back and forth, plans maybe stop drawing or getting approved. but uh, we're looking at new ways of doing it. So uh, obviously, yeah, construction, lots of room for improvement in efficiencies and how it gets managed. Uh, But really what I want to start with in in unpacking DigiBuild here is um, how did you decide this is something that you wanted to go into? Because if I look at a building... I think of what the building produces. So I'm thinking on selling it or on rent, right? I'm looking at, you know, or the business I can put in that building and generating the cash flows, right? And you're looking at it at the very beginning, almost a different, totally different angle. So why, why did you have that perspective in approaching construction tech?
1: yeah that's a great question um you know unfortunately i've been well fortunately but unfortunately (laughs) i've been in construction since i was 10 years old um so i own a construction company i've had it for about eight years um prior to that i worked in you know different construction offices as a project manager estimator things like that so i've seen a lot of the pain points in the industry firsthand um you know lost probably lost a lot of hair um you know because of the industry firsthand yeah so um you know as you as the industry has looked for solutions Software has come to the forefront of that. Um, so you see some big companies out there who have really established their place. Um, you know, as you know, Silicon Valley unicorns, even like Procore and Aconex and, and folks like that. Um, so you know, I knew that there was a lot of pain points that needed to be solved. Mm-hmm. And you know, to your to your statement about you know, you look at a construction project or you look at a building or a development project and you see kind of the you know the project as it goes up, you see, you know, all the, the hammer, the nails, the drywall, you know, everything in between. And you, your first thought, you know, is likely not software. But what you need to realize is, you know, for every piece of physical material or labor that happens out there on a job site, there is a data component that goes along with it. You know, there's mm-hmm. the invoices, there's the specification sheets, there's the drawings, like you mentioned. So, you know, the industry really, you know, as of five years ago, as recent as five years ago or less, was still using you know fax machines and um you know mailing hard copies wet copies of some of these documents
0: when i was on a
1: construction i hate
0: to interrupt but when i was working in construction for a home builder uh half my job was being a courier right so i was actually i would get in the i'd get in the jeep we had a branded jeep we had something like 10 active construction projects all over like three different counties And I would just drive all afternoon, listen to talk radio and walk into the construction trailer, hand our, our lead or our superintendent, you know, a a stack of files, take what was in the outbox and then keep it moving.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, it's still going on. Like I said, um, we have a project out in North Carolina and the general contractor we're working with, um, is, you know, they're a relatively big company, probably a, you know, four or $500 million a year, you know, gross revenue company. And in their email signature right now, it still says, or it just now says we are no longer using fax machines for communication and it's, it's 2020. Wow. So, you wow. know, to give you an idea, a company that big is still even, you know, has the nerve to even put that in their email signature. <laughs> Why not just remove the, the fax number and call it good? Right, right. Exactly. It almost makes them look worse, you know, even <laughs> putting that there. But you know, the point is that that's more common in the industry than you'd think. Um, so long story short to answer your question, you know, I've seen these pain points. I know there's a lot of inefficiencies that, um, you know, need to be fixed and, you know, software is one of those things that is doing that. And, you know, as much as uh, I heard a great quote that sums up, you know, your question, you know, why we decided to do this. And it's that, um, construction is the last unconquered frontier of the tech boom. And if you think about that, you know, based on that story, that's very true. So given my background, um, you know, and given what I learned about blockchain and these technologies, it just, it was kind of a natural fit. Um, and I'll talk about blockchain in a second. But yeah, so great question. Um, but you are seeing a lot of software that's being introduced into the built environment nowadays um, to try and fix these margins, reduce the disputes, get their contractors paid faster, all that good stuff.
0: So I'm personally very um, hopeful when thinking about construction tech, Um and I think what uh, I think the circumstances we 're finding ourselves in is only going to help and drive awareness attention, and of course, I, I believe at some point additional investment into the construction tech side because it 's not that you can go into a city and just acquire the land for less, and you 're not going to necessarily be able to remove the city requirements for certain checks or analysis or studies to be done. And so and there is a ceiling to what you can charge on rent or resell a condo. So then you have to work your way backwards, right? Where is that mar- and that's what you're talking about, the margins in the building process. So are you, are you helping the uh, investors con- and, and, and managers are they really is it just a speed? game Is it a better management game, or is it an overall everything efficiencies game that you're looking to to transform
1: Sure, so I think the two places that you can really you know uh, generalize what we're doing to where we're trying to improve is schedule and budget mm-hmm. at the end of the day, everything in construction can be whittled, you know whittled down to the schedule and the budget of the project, so you know all, you mentioned that you've got all these different parties who have to come together and build something mm. and every one of them has their profit margins, you know, but every one of them also has to interact with each other on the actual project. So trying to clean up efficient inefficiencies are, are very important because, you know, the margins are so thin that folks have to, you know, find improvement. So think right. about a big, you know, the, if you're talking about a big skyscraper. You know, that could be, you know, a a billion-dollar contract, literally a billion-dollar, you know, endeavor. You know, these things are very, very expensive. You're going to have hundreds of different contractors, architects, engineers, suppliers, all of whom have to come together on that project. So there's so many different areas of inefficiency. You know, trying to manage the schedule to get Mm -hmm. your subcontractors and your suppliers to do things on time is a huge issue. Um, Trying to get them to stay within budget is a huge issue. Um, You know, if you think about the construction process, right, Mm -hmm. in order to have efficiency gains, because we're so based off of physical labor, it's really difficult to somehow inject, you know, efficiency gains into the physical labor process, right? People are working as fast as they can. You can't speed them up, you know, that much and expect to have, you know, percentage points difference. And considering we're still a long ways away from robots taking over the physical building process. What you then look at is where are these other inefficiencies in the project where we can cut the fat out, where we can, you know, save you 1% on your administrative budget. And even though that might sound small, for a construction company that's doing seven hundred billion or excuse me $700 million a year in work, if right. we can save you 1% on your administrative costs, you know, that that's a big deal. So really the schedule and budget, the overall management of the project and of all yeah. the contractors who are in and around the project is, you know, our goal to improve that. And the other piece that goes along with it is to improve data insights. You know, I won't go too far down that road yet, but back to my point with all these different companies and all these different people contributing to the project, Mm -hmm. everything they do in the field has a data component to it. And as you know, big data is everywhere right now, trying to take that data and make, you know, decisions on, you know, whatever big data decisions you make. So the second piece that we're working on is that business intelligence piece, trying to take that data, package it, give the contractors, you know, decision-making power and the information they need to, you know, run their businesses and their projects better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so taking a look at the site here for listeners, um, you know, so one of the beta projects that you guys worked with the contractor said you saved them. Well, it it says the beta test indicate you guys can do up to 5% of the budget in savings. Is that, is that accurate? Yep. I mean, that's a, so, so, that's know, a big number five percent doesn't sound little to me when you start I don't know I guess when you get past 10 bucks, five percent starts sounding good to me <laughs> right, right
1: and, and you know it, it kind of all depends right so you know anytime you're a business trying to market yourself, um, you know there's a lot of different factors you know there's construction projects that are super small and there's yeah. ones that are mega projects you know that are, are just massive but when you take everything that we're doing you know as a whole being being able to save companies and you know, their administrative work, being able to get their contractors paid faster, which leads to schedule and budget improvements um, and being able to remove the you know, likelihood of disputes, which are extremely common in construction right now, more common than in any other industry. When you package all that together, yes, it does have a direct percentage point, you know, cost and efficiency gain or savings um, for these companies that we're working with.
0: Yeah, so give me an example of, uh, cause obviously there's so many components here. Um, there's a lot of moving pieces, uh, man, I want to go so too many different directions right now, but so give me an example though oh, yeah. of, let's say, you know, so, uh, I, you know, I can see your building when that thing was going up, there's all kinds of glass, there's balconies and railings, there's resi units, a parking garage, all that. Um, what would be something that did build would be managing or helping better manage? Is it the whole project or would you be doing a subset for maybe one company within, you know, their responsibilities of the building?
1: Usually it's the whole project, um, because at the end of the day, the general contractor is in charge of the construction of the whole project, or at least you know 98% of it once the owner does the site work and, and all that. So you know all those moving pieces are very difficult for a contractor to manage. So that's where we can plug in and help them to you know, save on managing that project, be more accurate in managing that project. You know, As a thought experiment, you know, one of the things, let me rewind for a second. One of the things that we're pushing as one of our first major use cases is payments. And the construction industry payments are absurdly slow. You know, from the time you do some work in the field, you know, hang a piece of drywall, whatever it is that you're doing, um, you're waiting typically 45 to 60 days to get paid. And yeah. in many cases, you're waiting even more than that. You know, it's not uncommon to not get paid for 120 days. And, yeah. you know, these subcontractors who are actually the physical ones hanging, the, you know, doing the work, providing the labor. A lot of those are smaller companies, especially in some of the you know secondary markets, not Chicago, not New York, but the Carolinas, Florida, you know wherever.
0: Oh yeah, so trying to
1: put that you know if you have a company, for example, my company, you know we could be floating three or four hundred thousand dollars at a time in work that we've done and paid out, but we haven't got paid for it yet. So one of the things that's extremely known to be a problem is payments and construction. Um, so what a blockchain does is essentially remove all of the separation between all of these companies that causes the delays, right? I'm waiting for the supplier's office to get me something then I'm waiting for the subcontractor's office, then the general contractor, then the developer, then the lender, right? And there's separation between all these companies, which causes delays or latency. So when you can introduce a blockchain, a shared network, a shared database, so to speak, where that information hits all of them much faster and they can verify whatever compliance or whatever they need to make that payment, they can verify it much faster. You get that trickle down effect of the payments coming down the chain much faster. And there's a ton of um, uh, data out there and reports and things like that, that show the direct correlation between paying your subs and your suppliers faster and having a project that is more likely to stay within your schedule and within your budget. So I mean, payments that's no, are one of the major things. We're, mm-hmm.
0: that, that's no surprise. I mean, you pay people mm-hmm. on time and suddenly they do the work as, as promised. I mean, I think that right—that right. makes a ton of sense to me. Um, and I can totally see how that would work. So does, do all these subcontractors, so the, the GC comes in, they're like, you know, what, I'm going to use DigiBuild to manage this project, right? It's a, it's a $10 million project, okay? I don't know if that's big or small. But, you know, they, they want to use it to manage that project. They're hoping to shave off maybe a point and a half, 2% on the total cost mm-hmm. of the project. And so then they send, do they email all of the other contractors an invite to have access to everything on DigiBuild?
1: Yeah, so there's a couple different ways that it works, right? So one of the things that we're, the way we're getting introduced to the market is by going through, uh, I mentioned Procore. Procore is the industry leader. They're, you know, for lack of a better term, they're the Amazon of the construction technology space. They've done an amazing job, one of the first movers in that area. And a lot of the companies out there are utilizing Procore right now. Mm -hmm. Procore is a great software, but they can't solve everything. So one of the first things that we're doing is integrating with them. So we can give the benefits of the blockchain and the benefits of DigiBuild and the things we're doing to these companies without asking them to, you know, spend millions of dollars to switch their technology, you know, that they currently have in place. So first and foremost, we're integrating with Procore um, to, you know, be able to better uh, serve our users. So once a company decides to use DigiBuild, yeah, just like you said, um, you know, the company, the general contractor gets plugged in Mm -hmm. and they tell us who their subcontractors are. They put it, you know, into a, um, you know, into the app or into the web browser, um, you know, just like you would any other, other app that you're using. And automatically those lower tier contractors get an invite to the project. And instead of just, you know, using email or fax or whatever it is that they're using, they just do all these transactions through Procore and DigiBuild. Um, and that's how everyone comes around. It's, it's, you know, similar to any cloud-based solution. The mm-hmm. only difference is we're using this new technology called blockchain um, yeah. as opposed to purely cloud.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and I, I really do want to go down the blockchain route real quick. Uh, but first I want to talk about your team. So mm-hmm. you're talking about a lot of different aspects of, you know, when we look at a building on the surface, it's pretty simple. It just needs a base mm-hmm. big enough to hold whatever you put on top of it. I'll just, I, I, that might be, that might be oversimplifying things, but when you just look at it, I mean, it's just kind of like, yeah, right. Yeah. It's got to have some math to it. Okay, but what you're talking about is reinventing just the even the like how we go about building that. And then you're not just like rethinking the process of like how we do things back and forth and pay everyone and the operations, but then you're trying to build a software to meet those needs and then actually work better. So, what kind of team have you assembled to accomplish this? Because this requires software design, sales, and then most obvious is construction experience, which you have yourself, but I'm curious about who you've surrounded yourself to pull this off.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Um, you know, I like to say I'm, I'm just the uh, mouthpiece for, you know, the better people on my team <laughs> who are much more experienced and do, you know, a lot better things than I do. So I'm, you know, fortunate to have a great team behind me. Um, just like you said, it, it takes multiple different, you know, disciplines and backgrounds to build something like this. On the construction side or the the domain expertise side, um, obviously, you know, I have a very deep background in that, and I've been very fortunate to spend a lot of time in the industry, you know, owning my own companies, managing projects, et cetera. Um, Two of our other team members have construction backgrounds that are even more than mine. Um, So Barbara Rez is uh, one of our key contributors. She's actually out of New York. Uh, She was actually the former vice president of construction for the Trump Organization, Uh, She built Trump Tower, New York. So she was Donald Trump's right-hand woman. Uh, She's actually known, yeah, she's known for being the first woman executive in construction. So if you look her up, you'll see her on, she's on Netflix. She's on CNN all the time. She's on, you know, incredibly, incredibly smart and uh, accomplished woman. Um, So she's obviously, her domain expertise is extremely strong. She's worked on the, both the construction side, as well as the development side, which is kind of the owner and the lender and kind of more of the financial pieces and then um, Andy Penry is another one of our team members who's been amazing. He's a former senior project manager for three of the biggest construction companies in North America, wow. uh, Gilbane, McCarthy, and J.E. Dunn. So on the construction side, we're you know, pretty strong. On the development side, which is obviously you know, a huge piece, mm-hmm. um, Ivan Franco is a, a young man. He's absolutely brilliant. He's just one of those people. He's 21 years old, and you'd meet him, and you'd be like, wow, I wish I had your brain. Just one of those stud, you know, superstar developers, Silicon Valley type, um, so he's doing a lot of the development for us. And then we also have a partnership with IBM. Uh, I haven't talked too much about that. But uh, IBM actually has a $7 billion a year engineering construction and operations division. Not many people know that. Um, and they're tasked with giving construct solutions to big construction companies who work with them. Um, and they also, yes. Yeah. So most people didn't know that. I didn't even know it until we started, you know, talking to them and working with them. (laughs) Um, and then as you may have seen, you know, on like the Walmart commercials and other commercials and things like that, IBM blockchain is a huge initiative right now. Mm -hmm. You know, IBM built, um, this blockchain called Hyperledger fabric, and that's actually the blockchain that we're building our software upon. Um, so long story short through that came a partnership. So they're giving us a lot of support on the development and the technology side as well. Um, so overall we think we have a pretty good mix of construction domain experts and, you know, developers who can, you know, write the code and do all that good stuff.
0: So, um, that, that's awesome. I mean, it really sounds like, I don't know how you, I mean, really, uh, we'll talk at later, uh, to tell me the secrets of pulling together an all-star team. Cause you, you've got, I mean, the credentials there is a, is a mile long. Um, so you're in this industry though um where i don't want to mischaracterize anybody but i mean these are the this is the the fabric of america this is the blue collar industry Mm -hmm. you're working with people who are not known for adopting tech and i'm at a venture and go out on a limb here and say that the first thing they ask you is not about blockchain how no definitely not how do you bridge that gap Yeah. So, no, that's a great question. Um, you know, in
1: my world, you know, my superintendents in the field, for example, can barely use email, right? Like I'll, I'll be, I'll get these emails that instead of saying you, like Y O U, they'll put, you know, the letter U. And then instead of put, you know, writing the word R A R E, they'll just put an R and I'm just like, come on guys, this is an official email (laughs) you're sending. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, no, you're exactly right. Is, you know, the, the industry is very much, you know, not tech savvy yet. So with regards to how we're building, you know, we have to build something that is extremely simple. You know, we'll call it granny proof is a, uh, you know, a word some developers use. You know, you mm-hmm. should be able to give this to, you know, the, the most non tech savvy people you know, and they should be able to use it. Um, yeah. So that's where, you know, our construction background really helps. You know, we're us understanding the workflows themselves, how to build them out in, you know, the most simple way possible. You know, that's where we, you know, have a lot of experience there. So, you know, that's good. Um, how we explain it is really we just talk about the pain points that it's solved. We don't even mention blockchain. You know, I, I mentioned to you before we, you know, started recording, yeah. um, you know, if you're talking to a non-car person about a car, you just say, hey, look how fast this car is. Look what it can do. It's such a high-end car, right? Yep. You don't say, hey, you know, this engine has eight cylinders and here's how it works. The people who care about that care about that. But to the casual user, you just talk about the functionality. And it's the same thing with what we're doing with DigiBuild in the construction industry. We go to them and we say, hey, this is a project management software. You can easily use it on your phone or on your computer. We can speed up your payments. We can make a lot of these, you know, uh, administrative um, uh, processes automatic. So, yeah, we really don't touch too much on the blockchain. Um, If they want to understand, which many people do, you know, blockchain is one of the hottest technologies out there right now right next to artificial intelligence so we have a lot of people who come to us and say hey I want to understand this but yeah so the industry itself we usually just talk about here's the pain points we're solving we're getting you paid faster we're automating these workflows etc
0: so w- then what does the blockchain handle that you couldn't use another tech to handle what what is what is the pain it's solving because it really sounds like you know it, it, it's like you use the car analogy here for a minute We're looking at the motor and you know, most people ain't thinking much of it, but I'm looking at it and saying, how can I improve the amount of air getting to that motor? I'm looking at it and saying, what kind of better spark plug wires can I use? So the electricity moves faster and more efficient. So I'm assuming that's kind of the role blockchain is taking here, but walk me through what it accomplishes for DigiBuild and why that's an advantage for your end customer.
1: Sure, absolutely. you know, I'll try not to go too far down the rabbit hole. Um, if you catch me doing that, by all means, just jump in and say, shut up, Rob. You're going
0: <laughs> just watch my face um, when my eyes glaze over.
1: Yeah. Like if you go like this, it means it's no good, I assume, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, in order to understand why blockchain is necessary here, you have to understand how trust works in business. So the word trust itself is not tangible. It's kind of just describing something. Mm-hmm. But the actions we take in business because of trust, or the lack thereof, are tangible things. So think of it like this, let's, let's talk about how the current internet works, right? So anytime you send something on the internet, you're sending a copy, okay? So everyone has their server. You know, your, your my company has their own private server, your personal laptop has its own server, blah, 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 right, that's true for any business, Yep. person, business, whatever. And so anytime you're sending something, whether it's an email, a picture, a contract, you know, the MP3 of this file of this video of this recording, yep. you're sending a copy. Yep. And once that copy hits someone else's database, you completely lose control of that copy, of the version of that copy. Right? So really, let's say, you know, let's say me and you are a business and we say, Hey, you know, Nate, will you um, Nate, I'm gonna I'm gonna build a, a a garage for you, okay? And I'm gonna charge you a thousand dollars. I promise you can trust me. I promise. I won't do anything you can trust. I I trust you. Right. Well, and I appreciate that, but you know, in in business, we all smile and laugh at each other. I trust you, but you know, we all know we don't trust that guy. Right. I'm looking at you sideways. I don't know. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. So let's say I say I'll do it for a thousand dollars. We're going to put a contract together. And the reason that you wouldn't just take my word for it, like, Hey, Nate, I'll keep the contract. You don't have to sign it or anything. We both know it's for a thousand dollars, right? Well, if you don't have a copy of that contract, I can make it, I can add a zero there and make it a $10,000 contract. Right. Right. And then I could take it to the court and say, Hey, Nate owes me 9,000 more dollars. He told me 10,000. And you would have no way to stop that from happening because you don't have a copy of that in your server. right? Right. So, At the end of the day, even if we trust each other, we don't really trust each other because the ultimate enforcement mechanism in business is the court system. And in the court system, it's all about what you can prove, okay? So think about all of the parties who are involved in a construction project. Usually it's between 50 and 100 different parties from the beginning of the project to the time it opens. All of those companies don't trust one another. Mm -hmm. And all of that data, invoices, contracts, all that, they're all keeping their own version of that in their own data silo, right? So that's what it's called a data silo, like your server that I can't see into. I have no idea if you're writing a note in your server right now that says Rob Salvador is the worst person in the world, right? (laughs) So we're separated by these silos. Mm -hmm. So basically, in order to automate certain processes and speed them up, having the separation of these silos, it's no good right? The, the third party is always going to say, hey, I need a copy of that contract too. My office needs to review a, a copy of that contract too. My office has to you know, sign it, sign off on, on that contract too. So it's not a shared data flow, right? It's right. a data flow that's separated by these silos. What blockchain essentially allows you to do is insert programmable trust into that scenario. So let's say instead of us all having our own silo, let's say me and you, instead of having our own silos, we have a shared group text message between me and you and some, you know, uh, a couple other parties who are privy to the, to the transaction. Now, if I put that message, I'm gonna pay Nate, or Nate's gonna pay me $1,000 to build this garage, if I try to come back later and say, no, 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 it was 9,000, it wasn't 1,000, all the other parties who are a part of that shared network Are going to go no it clearly says right here this is 1,000 right so instead of having this notion of data silos now we're all in a shared network and the transactions are permission so it's not like everyone can see the specifics of each transaction like there's still you know you can permission these transactions but being able to have programmable trust in that scenario so there's no way I could have changed the data there's no way I could have removed data basically it's exactly what it sounds like is programmable trust Hmm. So once we're all in that scenario, I can automate things. So instead of me having to wait for your lien waivers and have to wait for all these different documents to come through, as soon as they hit the blockchain, the parties have visibility to them much faster.
0: Oh, and, I see. I see.
1: Right. And think about the, in the silo scenario, there's 50 different parties and all 50 of them need to have their own copy of the data. All 50 of them want to interact with that data, which adds costs slows down the transactions, and it fragments your data, right? So you might have a piece of data that's relevant, but because I don't have it or I lost it or I don't even realize where it's at, I might not look at that piece of data. So data gets fragmented. So when you have programmable trust built in or when trust is built into a software, it allows you to do things in the way of automation, in the way of authenticating data, Mm-hmm. in the way of giving multiple parties the benefits of this project. So let me give you a specific example, because I know, you know this idea is very confusing. Um, I'll give you a specific example. So within construction, anytime you want to receive a payment, you have to turn in one of these things, which is called a lien waiver or a waiver of lien. So essentially, if I want you to pay me, if I've invoiced you $50,000 and I want right. you to pay me for that, right. I have to fill out a, a document that says, when you give me this money, I can no longer sue you for this money or file a lien on the project, basically. Right. Yeah, okay. Totally. Right. And so let's say you've got, you know, in construction it works from the bottom up with regards to invoicing. So the lower tier supplier drops some metal off on the project. They turn in their invoice. And then they have to turn in a lien waiver too. They have to fill it out, you know, with all the correct information and then turn it into the subcontractor who used their material. The subcontractor uses their material to do the work and then invoices for the work that they did. What they have to do is then check the supplier's lien waiver and make sure that's correct, right? So then once the subcontractor goes to get paid, they turn in their invoice and lien waivers to the general contractor. General contractor has to double check those waivers again. Hey, do the lower tier parties turn in their waivers properly? When the GC, the general contractor goes to get paid, They're going to turn all those documents from the lower tier folks into the developer who again is going to have to double check all that information. And again, it's because of the lack of trust, right? If I'm the contractor, why can't I just tell the owner, Hey, I already checked this. You don't have to look at it again. But that notion of silos, I don't know what happened in your silo. I don't know if you manipulated this. I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's that business trust. Like when we're talking millions of dollars, you might like me, But when we're talking millions of dollars that could be at stake, you're going to double check yourself, right? How
0: did anybody ever build anything?
1: (laughs) Oh, I know. I mean, if you look out there right now, you will be floored by the state of an industry that is so large, $10 trillion a year at the status of it. It it really is crazy. So to to the example of this silo, right? At each level, they had to double check for compliance because we don't trust one another. Now introduce a blockchain to that scenario supplier turns in that same lien waiver yep. and our system can automatically check that waiver and say, this is a proper waiver. It's good. Now every other party in the hierarchy knows and can verify on the blockchain that that waiver has been checked. Yeah. So the four other times you had to review it, now we can do that automatically. Right. And it's cause you can verify. So if I'm an owner and I go, wait, wait, you're telling me that, you know, there's millions of dollars at stake here. You're telling me that software automatically reviewed this. Prove it. The blockchain allows you to verify things. The blockchain is very verifiable. All of that data would be in the blockchain. Okay? Go back to the silo. Why can't an individual company without blockchain do this? If I'm that owner and I say, hey, prove it to me, prove to me that you did that work. Well, it's a silo. I can't. Unless I'm going to go in my data silo and give you access to my server, there's no way for them to prove that.
0: Right, and I so definitely it, can't do it at scale. The way you prove it is if there's no dispute.
1: Well, that's, if that's yes, in the bigger, it, with a blockchain, someone on the owner's side, whether a court representative or an IT guy or whoever, right. their lawyer, can plug right into the blockchain, access the blockchain, and see, oh, look, that transaction actually happened. The yeah. code actually worked in the way that it said it did. So it's all about what you can prove, whereas... I'll just give this example again so you know, it hits home. If that same scenario happened with one of the other softwares out there, right? Maybe one time I can give you access and say, sure, look, we proved it. But I can't do that at scale. You know, 50,000 construction projects happening right now, there's no way I can say, hey, yeah, we'll plug you all into our server so we can prove that we automated this.
0: Wow. That's
1: where having the blockchain is very powerful because it's a very, the blockchain itself is a data <laughs> structure that is very verifiable. It can be verified by a court expert it can be verified by an IT person. And that's why it's a big deal. I'll leave with this last point on as an example. Familiar with Enron? Remember the big energy company that went bust yes. a decade ago?
0: Enron is the example why you treat email as if it's public information.
1: Right. Well, yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs>
0: that's but what I look it, at. It,
1: so true. But the reason Enron happened, Enron was being audited by Arthur Anderson, which mm-hmm. at the time was big, one of the big five accounting firms. Mm-hmm. But because these silos, it's so it's a walled garden. You can't see in it. There's no transparency. Enron was even able to fool the world as they had a huge auditor on their back. Wow. So that's what I mean about data silos being non-verifiable. Yes, it eventually came out. All the documents were released after years in court, and the government had to demand them from you know Amazon Web Services or uh, whatever Amazon and all that stuff. Um, right. Their Gmail and all that but it wasn't verifiable having a blockchain allows you to verify this at any given time in a private and provable way
0: yeah that is um that is definitely the most exhaustive description of what is blockchain or how does it help that we've had on the show and, and you know truthfully you know i think i put this back on me i apologize that, that i'm not well versed enough to dig into it but i appreciate the example and as you were talking i started mapping out i keep, I get, I keep notes during shows and I started mapping sure. out a scenario and then you gave a scenario that was like a million times harder than my scenario. So I'm a believer <laughs> because <laughs> I was I was thinking something like, you know, contractor has their design, they send it to the architect who signs off, then the city goes through rounds of meetings and sends it back to mm-hmm. the contractor saying, this is signed off. And then that could trigger multiple subcontractors, subcontractors going out to do the job. And even in that process, I could see, you know, even on a small scale project, just losing weeks of time. Right. And that's all, you know, where I understand that's holding costs because you have money that's being leveraged either for the construction loan, for the land, you've Mm -hmm. got insurances, you've already paid out on permits. And the longer you ain't pulling no money in, whether selling the building or renting it out, you're losing money because you're you're on borrowed time at that point. So I see it. I I think it's kind of cool. way over my head and uh, glad that someone like you is tackling something like this. Um, It doesn't sound like like this. Yeah, go ahead. So just the last thing I was going to say is that for lack of a better
1: term, blockchain is very good in situations where you have companies or people who don't trust one another, Mm -hmm. who have to exchange and execute data between one another. So Mm -hmm. that can be it can be real estate transactions. It can be so many different things. But that's the simple thing: is you can verify via blockchain, and that's good when you have a bunch of people and parties who don't trust one another. Whatever that scenario is.
0: Have you uh, called the government to tell them that you could help them with all their projects yet?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the amount of waste on government work is. Oh, you'd be, you'd be very, very sad. (laughs) I don't want
0: to talk about it. I'll I'll get all butthurt and uh, irritable for the rest of the day. So we'll avoid top. uh, Well, you know, I have yet to fall into a political trap on the show and today will not be that day. So, um, and
1: how about this? Both sides do it anyway. So it doesn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican, the waste is everywhere.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, all good. So, um, so you're obviously a digital product. Um, you can go anywhere. It's a SaaS product. I am curious though, I mean, I'm not your customer, but what's the pricing structure like? How, how do you price this out?
1: Yep. So it's a subscription model. Um, basically, the customer pays per user per month. Um, so being that we're still in like a, you know, a little bit of an early stage and we're still kind of you know, rolling out different product lines that have different price points. Um, I don't want to drill down on specific, you know, I don't want to throw it's a number you. at it.
0: Yeah, that's um,
1: but yeah, it's essentially, you know, call it, let's just for a round, even number, call it $50 per user per month. So it depends on the size of the project, how many users you need. Um, and construction comes in so many different shapes and sizes that, um, yeah. you know, that makes a lot of sense just because, you know, it can be any different a number of different types of projects, you know, with certain numbers of people.
0: Yeah. No, I, I could see how that totally makes sense. I was curious because there's a lot of SaaS products that um, they're very easy to get into, but they're terrifying to think about when they scale, especially if it's built on like the size of a budget or like the number of payments you process. Like that's where it gets scary of like, I don't know if I want to go down this path because if I right. do well, you know, but I mean per user totally makes sense if you're getting 50 bucks of scale out of one user. I mean, no brainer. So, um, so are you guys seeing any particular traction in, uh, one market over another, or maybe one type of market over another?
1: Um, you know, I would say that, you know, obviously bigger commercial projects are kind of, um, you know, right in our wheelhouse. Um, the the market itself, you know, like you said, because we're a SaaS product and because we can be used, you know, on the web or, you know, via the mobile app, it, it doesn't really matter definitely, you know, like with any new technology, um, we're best on projects that have, you know, the most room for margin and, you know, have the biggest pain points. Um, as we scale, of course, we'll be yeah. you know, more comfortable with smaller projects and things like that. So right now I would say the only, I would say we're geared towards commercial and not so much at residential quite yet, just because of scale. Yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't, you know, at the end of the day, whether you're a hotel or your apartments or you're an industrial facility, you know, the construction itself tends to be similar. So not necessarily too much on markets, but obviously, you know, we're working with, you know, regional market leaders and people like that who have the autonomy to be able to plug us in, you know, to their corporate, to their office or, you know, their region, et cetera. So.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, you guys are still relatively young as a company. Uh, what, uh, two, two years, three years? But, about a little
1: under about two years, yeah, yeah about, two, okay. little, about two years, yeah.
0: So that's plenty of time to have messed up somewhere along the way. Uh, I'm curious, uh, maybe there's a story you could share or something that you guys started trying or building or working towards that didn't work out the way you'd hoped for.
1: Sure, no, that's a fantastic question. Uh, I would, I think that what we've really done is narrow our scope of the products that we're introducing ourselves to the market with. Mm. So we originally started as a general project management software, like, hey, use us on your whole project. And we still, you know, that is our our goal. Um, But that is a massive, massive endeavor. You know, so trying to, like you mentioned, there's so many intricacies and so many different things and pain points around a project that trying to tackle it all at once, you know, boil the ocean, we wasted a good amount of time, you know, too much time doing that. You know, I'll mention Procore again. They just raised, I think, their G round or something like that. They raised $300 <laughs> I three hundred million dollars at three billion think dollar valuation. They're on it, I, yeah,
0: a series is I. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know they're heading up towards there. IPO.
0: Yeah. No, actually, they
1: just released their S one, so I, I believe they're working on. Uh, they're going public relatively soon here. Yeah. Um, but anyways, the, the point in that is, so they have thrown literally hundreds of millions of dollars towards this project management software, mm-hmm. and so what we did was we came in too broad at first. Saying, hey, we can be a project management software, too, using blockchain, because, you know, blockchain is great for these relationships. But, you know, we have to enter the market first. And construction being an early technology, a market that's early in their technology journey, um, we decided that it was easier to integrate with the established players like Procore, tackle a couple specific pain points. You know, our, our first two pain points that we're tackling are dispute management using the blockchain and payments, like I talked about, using the blockchain, uh, and those are two, you know, things that are very much on people's minds. So once we drilled down there, um, we had a lot more traction with customers, you know, we're working with, I think, uh, five companies who are on the ENR 400 list, which are, you know, the 400 biggest construction companies in North America, mm-hmm. um, we're working with five of them. So that's where I think, you know, we had some learning curve. We tried to go too broad without realizing, Hey, you know, uh, uh, a seed round, isn't going to be able, it isn't going to make it so we can build out this massive software. We have to get traction customers in the market first, then we can broaden our scope. So really just drilling down on our our specific products right now, as opposed to the general um, construction management software that we were going for in the earlier stages.
0: Wow. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate you sharing that and and going into detail. Um, Obviously I, I think there's, I mean, the sky is the limit. Uh, for, for where, what, 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 how much money is, uh, potentially being left on the table or I'll just say burned. Maybe that's a better way. It's just burned, mm-hmm. uh, in, yeah. in, in efficiencies. Um, let, let's keep on the topic of money for a minute. Um, and then we're going to switch gears into the, the bottom of the show segments. So of course I research, uh, companies beforehand. I, I just use Crunchbase. Uh, that's, that's the, the yeah. depth of my, uh, research to find out companies raise money, how much. So um, have you guys raised money? Um, and uh, if so, um, you know, about how much have you raised up, up to this point? Uh, and then what's going to be, what, how do you see that impacting your business moving forward?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So to this point, we've been really fortunate, you know, to have a team that can bootstrap a lot of our, our progress thus far. Um, so we recently raised about $200,000 from different real estate uh, and construction angel investors. Um, and then we received another 250000 in developer-specific investment um, from a development company that we're working with. Um, so really, just talking, you know, cash or U.S., not cash, but U.S. dollars, um, we've raised a little under 200000 recently. So all of our progress up to this point, like I said, we bootstrapped and, you know, we were able to get customer traction and whatnot. And now we're really putting a lot of um, emphasis on getting this product ready to, you know, make moves in the market and really add value to these customers who are beta testing and doing pilots with us. And in general, we're raising a $2 million seed round um, that we are looking to close by the end of the summer. So, you know, call it end of August-ish. And that should, you know, give us a lot of runway to, you know, build what we want and, you know, really cement our place in the market as, you know, a construction software that solves pain points. And the, you know, if necessary, the blockchain construction software, you know, if anyone's thinking that way. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, well, very cool. And, you know, there's so much focus around the fundraising. It obviously impacts everyone's business a little bit differently as to how they, they look at it. Um, so we, when you do finally close that round, are you looking at that as a marketing uh, investment uh, product? Uh, where do you see that most impacting your business and growth trajectory?
1: Yeah, no, great question. Um, First and foremost, product, you know, it's just, there is a lot of things we have to do and especially using a newer technology like blockchain. um, You know, we have to make sure that we, you know, have all those pieces in place that uh, you know need to be there to make sure that, you know, there's no issues Um, Mm -hmm. with regards to the sales and marketing. um, That's something that, you know, the market itself will kind of determine Um, if we're solving pain points for these customers um, you know, we don't really need to put a ton into sales and marketing in general. Um, so we, we will do some, but at the end of the day, you know, knowing this landscape the way I do, um, if you're solving pain for the customers, they're going to, you know, that, uh, that network effect is going to happen, you know, kind of one way or the other regardless. So yeah, definitely mostly on, on products.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I actually wrote that down. I, I, I kind of was immediately recognizing it was like, oh, there's good network effects with this business right off the bat. Um, obviously you have the direct benefit as well. You're building buildings. <laughs> You're going to get the savings right, right. firsthand. <laughs> so I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're going we're to keep on moving here. We're going to play a game called For the Future, uh, For the Future is a uh, segment where I get to ask each guest who comes to the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Robert, are you ready to play? Yes, sir. Let's do it. And I totally recognize, I saw some people in the glass reflection uh, popping in that comment space here, but you're, you're, you're all good on sound. Yeah. So, all okay. right. let me know if there's any. Uh, know. Yeah, no worries. All right, question number one, what does DigiBuild look like one year from now?
1: One year from now, uh, I would like to say that, you know, we have at least a few hundred customers uh, solving pain points for them in regards to dispute management and payments. Um, you know, really building out our team to make sure we can handle and manage those customers. You know, that's another thing a lot of people kind of overlook is, hey, I want to scale super fast, but they don't realize that, you know, there's a lot that comes with scaling. You have to support those customers. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think we're, you know, supporting those customers, building out that support team from the technical side, um, as well as getting to some of our other use cases. You know, I talked about the dispute management and the payments that we're working on right now. One of our other use cases that we've gotten a lot of feedback from the market that blockchain is a perfect solution for is supply chain management. So we'll probably roll out that module helping to track and procure materials, you know, from wherever they come from to the job site and, you know, keep them within schedule, budget, delivery dates, all that good stuff. Um, And at that point, you know, obviously with customers and whatnot, you know, depending on where we're at with burn rate, et cetera, looking at our series A. um, But, you know, at the end of the day, maybe we just scale without, you know, taking more venture rounds, who knows, (laughs) you know, at the end of the day we want
0: to be profitable. So, Very cool. Uh, Question number two, um, what will prop tech as an industry look like one year from now?
1: Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I think you'll see a lot more in the way of artificial intelligence, machine learning, um, a lot more automated systems in general. Um, You know, one year isn't too long, but I think you're going to see what you're seeing now, which is some big players who are starting to, you know, enter, whether it's, you know, blockchain or any other type of forward technology, um, you know, you're seeing them start to do pilots and really start to set up their infrastructure to succeed. I think in a year you see a bit more of the actual, you know, of those mechanisms in play in the market, like actually using them as opposed to just piloting them and whatnot, especially with coronavirus, you know, where it is right now, you know, over the next three months, you're going to see disruption from in for companies that can't handle it. So that's where you really see companies start to be innovative, because now it's not just like, hey, we want to introduce a new innovative software now it's like holy crap we need to save money and improve our margins and save our asses excuse my language um so that's where you see a lot of companies really starting to utilize these new technologies so i think this time next year you'll really start to see that
0: yeah yeah question number three what's one industry trend you think will continue but you wish would go away
1: In construction or real estate, what would you prefer?
0: <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll apply this to the filter that you look at the world through.
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, one trend, I think, um, you know, disputes in construction, it's, it's much more common than you would think. Um, it really happens everywhere, whether you're in the Chicago market or you're in the New York market, um, just because of the hierarchy of how things work because of the inefficiencies and the very, very razor thin margins, Mm -hmm. you know, when things go bad, instead of finding a way to, you know, work it out, it tends to go to a dispute. So um, I would really like to see less disputes in construction. And I think you're seeing a lot of that around, you know, companies looking at dispute management and it's usually always better to work it out because what happens right now is, you go to a dispute and then eight months later, the legal fees are so much. You're like, Oh, let's just negotiate for 50 cents on the dollar, which is what we should have done eight months ago. Right. (laughs) So I'd like to see a little bit more of of that.
0: Yeah. All right. And the, the last one of for the future here, what's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of tech advances?
1: Will dramatically change as a result of tech advances. Um, Ooh, that's a great question. I think, um, I guess you could say there's, would be a lot, you know, less crony capitalism or fraud in certain ways. I know that's an interesting Mm -hmm. answer, but you know, um, there's kind of a lot of places in big cities and whatnot. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Um, And being able to integrate blockchain, which is kind of this truth magnet or this truth technology, I think it can make a big difference. You know, look at a state like Illinois, right? I mean, it's, (laughs) You know, we've been run by what is, you know, effectively. I was uh, waiting for you to say Illinois or Chicago.
0: I mean, come on, perfect example.
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. You know, when the when the uh, you know the the uh, uh, speaker of the house who runs the state is also the state's you know biggest property tax lawyer. There's just kind of things there that don't make a lot of sense. Um, Yeah. So you know, being able to put things like that on a blockchain and introduce more truth those scenarios, remove the silos, remove all the crony capitalism and payoffs and things like that, I, I think yeah. you will start to see, um, you know, less fraud, less crony capitalism, and at least a return to the truth in business. And that's what blockchain as a technology is really good at in general.
0: Very cool. Very cool. I appreciate that. All right, we're going to move into the last three. Robert, these are questions more about you. So our listeners get to know you better. Uh, question number one, what are you reading?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I have a couple of different books I'm reading right now. Um, so one is the Secrets of Sandhill Road. Um, it's a it's by one of the uh, co-founders of Andreessen Horowitz. Um, mm-hmm. So great book on venture capital, uh, things like that. Uh, another one I'm reading right now is uh, what is it? Uh, shoot, uh, it's Malcolm Gladwell's latest book. Um, I can't remember the name, but it's oh. about our inherent. You know what I'm talking about? If you look at us, um, it
0: up. It, it's it, it's not David and Goliath.
1: No, it's talking just, to strangers. Thing, just talking to strangers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it, what is, it's basically all about are as people, even in situations where we shouldn't trust people, we tend to like in individual interactions, we tend to default to truth. Even we don't do that in business that much. But if you look at interactions with people, it goes through all these scenarios and talks about how our kind of our reasoning as human beings um, is to default to truth. And it talks about stories where that was not a good decision, um, so anyways that that's a good one by Malcolm Gladwell Gladwell, excuse me. Uh, there's a book called Bitcoin billionaires that I'm reading right now um, by the Winklevoss Twins about Bitcoin and their journey through the early days of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. Um, so yeah, I'm a big reader in general I, I love reading um, and I, I think I have, I have a list of others that I plan on starting, but I'm not going to act like I'm reading twelve books at once, even though uh if we're on air, I'll say it. I'm reading 12 books at once. We we
0: all have that stack. I, I've got a stack just sitting like right next to, um, right next to my my. Uh, I have like a little recliner chair and then window sill, and the stack just keeps growing. And I've got like seven, right, right. seven books. I'm somewhere between 30 and 70 percent finished.
1: <laughs> right, I'm, I'm the same way. Like I like to tell people, like, yeah, I'm reading all these books, but you know that stack just keeps getting bigger because I've taken six months on one of the books. I'm like, I'll get to those ones, I promise. You know. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Very cool. Well, this is good. I, I, I um, I didn't have. I think someone else has said this, "A Secret Sandhill," um, previously on the show, um, but I hadn't added it to my uh, my Amazon wish list, which uh, I selfishly use this show to build my reading list. And then I cash in on my birthday and Christmas, which are both in December. And then I get a whole bunch of oh, look at that! Yeah, so yeah, that's
1: perfect. Hey, I mean, then what a better place to get recommendations for what to read? You know what I mean? Yeah, like you know, the best and brightest telling you, you know. But yeah, I think the Sandhill Road is a really good one.
0: I'm gonna commit to it right now on the air. I'm gonna publish when we get to 100 episodes. I'm gonna publish the all all the books. I'm gonna at least put one book per guest. We'll put together the, the ultimate, it'll be the ultimate prop tech reading uh, wish list. I don't know, something like that. I like
1: that. And that's high value too. I mean, people are always asking each other, hey, what are you reading? So like someone in real estate and construction, this whole general space, yeah. have a list from those people? Absolutely. I think that's great. Your your viewers really appreciate that, I think.
0: So should I charge 15 or $25 for that list? Uh, A month or total? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, All right. Question number two here. Who are you learning from?
1: Who am I learning from? Um, I've I've been fortunate enough to, I have some mentors who are, you know, they're much more successful than me, um, who, you know, for whatever reason have taken me under their wing. Mm -hmm. Um, One is an individual who, um, he sits on a, a very large family office in Germany, um he was the ceo and chairman of the board of a financial services company that went public on the london stock exchange um just done incredible things in business um but he's also uh very much a humanitarian and very spiritual um so i've learned a lot of you know not only business lessons but life lessons from this individual um get to keep their name private just you know he's a very private individual sure. um fortunate uh as well as a couple of our investors in digibuild um they have very deep backgrounds and they're very impressive so they've taken me under their wing. I'm fortunate for that. I love to you know, try and learn what I can from the public information that's available you know, from people like Elon Musk and Steve Jobs and you know, really the, the leaders and CEOs, especially nowadays you see in the tech world we live in, you see a, a lot more younger CEOs who have you know, learned a lot of lessons early. Um, so yeah, that and um, you know, uh, Anthony Papiliano, um, he's a big uh, Bitcoiner, um, very big in the blockchain space. Um, so him as well, but yeah, I definitely try and the more people who will, you know, let me learn from them, the better. And I think that's, you know, how I learn personally is, yeah. you know, dealing with and interacting with others.
0: Very awesome. Very cool. Uh, I can also speak to the, the power of having, uh, mentors that you almost feel like you just don't deserve. And, you know, I think the benefit of what will end up happening is, uh, ideally someday you'll be in the same position to, to give that right back to somebody else. So uh, last one here, uh, question number three of the last three, what inspires you? What inspires me?
1: Um, I think my family, I'm um, very close to my family, um, you know, standard answer. But at the end of the day, you know, it's being a founder and especially a CEO, like you're the last line of defense, right? Like you work for a corporation, there's always someone behind you running a startup, you know, you're the last line of defense, your people are looking to you, whether that's your employees, um, or your family. And I consider, you know, my family, my family, but my employees, my extended family as well, because, you know, they make sacrifices for me and me for them. So I would say family in general, um, I just think it helps to be, you know, to have uh, motivation. Um, I want to do some, you know, really big things to help the world one day. And for lack of just being, you know, blatantly honest, in a lot of cases, it takes money to do that. You know, mm-hmm. who can help the world more, me or me right now or Elon Musk, Elon Musk all day, right? Who, you know, they can help the world a lot more. So yeah. that motivates me too, is to get to a position of success where I have the ability to make a difference for others, to change people's lives, to inspire people and, you know, combine that with family and friends. And, um, you know, I'm just fortunate to wake up every day with a reason to keep doing this and deal with, you know, all the, uh, the wonders we'll call them of the startup world.
0: You know, uh, I, I, don't, I can't pass this up. You know, I, am firmly believe in being like a, what, what some would call like as a social good entrepreneur. But when you deliver a good product to people at a good price and you solve problems that are significant pain points, either in their lives or their businesses, that is doing good for the world. So, you know, even without being mm-hmm. a philanthropist, just by solving their problems in their business, that extends to a lot of people. I mean, there's, there's plenty of painters making 25 bucks an hour that will get more jobs as the result yep. of being more efficient in building. So I, I think it's awesome. Um, I think you're, you're already on the path there. Well, um, Robert, this has been awesome. Um, I was a little apprehensive at first, to be honest, because I, I wasn't sure how much I'd be able to uh, uh, lead a discussion on, uh, uh, on construction tech especially something that touches into blockchain, but, um, you helped me along. So <laughs> before we close out though, <laughs> My for, pleasure. yeah, before we close out, uh, for people who want to get in touch with you or, uh, learn more about DigiBuild, uh, where should they go and how do they do that?
1: Sure. So they can go to digibuild.com, D-I-G-I-B-U-I-L-D.com, uh, or they can email me directly, Rob at digibuild.com. And I would be happy to send some more information, whether it's, um, you know, potential customers in the construction industry or potential investors, you know, angel investors, uh, talking to some of those right now. So, yeah. Um, And other than that, uh, you can find the info on our website, uh, my LinkedIn, you can go to and, um, you know, be happy to talk to anyone. And, you know, just before we get off, Nate, I just, I really appreciate the opportunity. And um, I think what you're doing, um, you know, bringing visibility to the prop tech space and especially, you know, in, in real estate, which is changing. Um, I think that's fantastic. And I think you're doing a fantastic job as well. So thank you so much for having me and uh, really appreciate the opportunity and you continue the great work on your end as well.
0: Man, I appreciate that. Tell the world, uh, tell your friends. <laughs> no, Absolutely. I, I, I'm too. pumped. I, I find this to be a privilege. Um, like I said, my book list is a bit of like of a selfish thing. I get the best books, but I look at it is cause I'm asking the smartest minds in this bit, in this industry to, to say where they're learning. And, uh, so I, I appreciate it, um, very much. It's, it's my honor. So, um, well, Hey, we're only a block away. So, uh, drinks on me one of these days, uh, soon enough. (laughs) We'll we'll meet up for coffee while everyone else is work from home, uh, on Corona. Right, right. Uh, (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Hey,
1: we're not far. Won't be hard. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, uh, let's stay in touch. Uh, I'll be watching, uh, keep me posted on progress of things. Uh, but until then we'll talk to them.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much, Nate. It's been a pleasure. Have a good night. Thanks. Bye. We're good. Awesome. That perfect was Because awesome, I'm literally at 1% battery on my ear pod. <laughs> like, this dies while I'm like at the end. <laughs> no,
0: you're, you're awesome. good, man. So that was perfect. Um, I want to follow up with you on um, a few things. I, have you met Ryan uh, Kuhn, our CEO?
1: I don't believe I have.
0: So I don't think so. Yeah, I think it'd be cool for you guys to meet. I mean, you guys are both Chicago based. Um you you probably know yeah. a lot of the similar people within between construction, multifamily, rentals, our business in rentals. So, uh obviously if there's anything anyone we can intro you to as well as, you know, uh if you think there's someone that we should be talking to, um that kind of stuff. Uh and obviously you know, Ryan has gone through um two seed rounds we're working on our series A at oh, the nice. moment too. So I, I'm awesome. sure there's a ton of crossover there. Um, and oh, you're, yeah. you're your, your local. Um, so I'll, I'll mention something to Ryan um, and see if I can get an intro to you guys and, you know, let you chop it up and figure out whatever. But, um, and of course, yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to, if there's anyone that's ever been on my show that you'd like to talk to, uh, and you can just go to the episodes and just scroll. Actually, the easiest way is go to the Instagram. And you can just scroll okay. and see everyone's face and name and which company they're from on my Instagram. Um, I'm happy to make sure. intros there as well. So, um, okay. you Yeah, know, you just yeah, let no, that'd me be know.
1: Fantastic. And, and likewise, you know, anyone that I know, um, like you said, the networks, I'm sure they overlap. You know, I, I've spoken for multiple panels and conferences in, you know, in the city. So I'm sure I know similar people um, yeah. as, as Ryan. So yeah, yep. definitely. And, and I'm happy to anyone that you see in my network or that I deal with that if you think make sense for them to come on the show or just make sense for you to meet them for your business. I'm absolutely happy to do that. You know, we talked before I'm all about networking and I can tell you are too. So absolutely.
0: Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Well, this will, this will publish. I think I've got an unusual backlog of like four episodes. Um, I'm usually week to week, (laughs) so I'll take it, uh, (laughs) but it'll be like three or four weeks, something like that. Uh, I'll shoot you an email. You'll get the embed, the link, um, the MP3 as well as the promo image. Perfect. Thanks awesome. So much, Nate. I appreciate yeah. it.
1: Look forward to it and uh, we'll talk soon.
0: All right. We'll see you. Thanks. Awesome. Have a good Friday. Thank you. Yep. You too. Good night. Well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to the tech nest podcast. Hey, don't forget. You can get on the email list. You never miss an upcoming episode. That's tech nest.io. That's T E C H N E S T dot I O. Get on the email list. Uh, go to the app store, whether you found us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you found us. Leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. And if you've got a guest or someone that you'd like to recommend, or if you think that you'd be a great guest on the show, hey, send me an email, nate at realteampanda.com. That's nate at realteampanda.com. See you guys later.